Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Life with your host, Tessa Lloyd. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Wadarong people of the Wadarong Aboriginal Corporation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Create Your Life with Tessa Lloyd. Today is the first day of season two of our podcast. And I call it our podcast because this isn't what it is without you guys. And I just want to send out a huge thank you for the support and interest and reflections that I received from you during our first season. It honestly just knocked my socks off. I wasn't expecting the love and connection that came along with this. So I really want to thank you for that and thank you for being here. So today we are going to be jumping back into our big chit chats. And last season we covered sexuality, race, gender, taboos, sex, all of the things, all of the things. And this season, we're going to be looking at a completely different set of um, of topics. And we'll also be touching on a couple of things discussed last time. We will just be looking into them in more depth. So when I was planning for season two, I was really excited to start looking into relationships a little bit more. And the way that I have come across my host for today is by participating in um, one of his and his partner's relationship courses when I was really wanting to, I guess, become more conscious of how I show up in relationships and feel more empowered when it comes to showing up in them. Because for me, like love and connection is just so huge for me and such a, um, I guess such a center point of my life. And when, and I'm sure you guys will resonate with this when I haven't felt empowered or like I knew how to show up in a relationship or support my partner or support myself, I found it so infuriating. You know, I would just want to tear my hair out and I think a lot of us are in this position where we know we love love and we know we love connection, but it can be so, so fucking hard sometimes. And this is where it can be really wonderful to dive in and learn more about the way that we participate and show up in relationships and the way that we carry ourselves. Um, And a lot of this work starts with the self, right? And then flows onto the other. And then this flows onto our relationship cup. So I really wanted to discuss this because this has been something that has profoundly changed my relationship with myself and my relationship with others. And as someone who is now single and definitely a lot more conscious with who I led into my field and what I am seeking out in a partner, I can wholeheartedly say that 
a huge part of that has been understanding my past patterns in past relationships as well as um, what I guess where I am willing to draw the line in relationships as well so this has been wonderful while in a relationship and also now that I'm out of one so phenomenal for approaching um, future relationships from a really grounded um, place of self-worth so Today's guest is Tully O'Connor, and he is married to Kat O'Connor, who he runs the Ignite program with. Kat and Tully have a beautiful baby boy, Rafi, who they live with in Margaret River, and Tully runs the Present Father Project, as well as being a leadership and embodiment coach whilst running the Ignite relationships program so he's quite a phenomenal wealth of knowledge and yeah just someone who I've learned a lot from so I'm really excited to share this with you guys I'm going to take it away with Tull if you have any comments or feedback please um, let me know in the comment section in podcasts either in Apple or Spotify or even if you just want to rate the podcast and share it to a friend it goes such a long way for um, the podcast and just being able to spread the word about the topics that we discuss. So thank you in advance and thank you so much to all the beautiful humans who have already done this. We've had people share on Instagram stories where they're listening to the podcast and that for me is so wonderful because it feels like I'm listening to it with you either on a walk or in the car or sitting at the table having a coffee. So thank you so much and if you guys want to keep on doing that I'm so here for it all right I'm gonna take it away with Tal I hope you enjoy the episode and welcome back to season two of create your life with your host Tessa Lloyd love you guys all right everyone hello and welcome back to the first episode of create your life season two and I've kind of blown things out of the water with my first guest which (laughs) I think we should do with the first episode of the season Today, I have Tully O'Connor here with me who just completely changed my approach to so many things, um, both with himself and his partner, Kat's approach to relationships. So I did um, one of, I don't know how many intakes there have been, Tull, but there have been quite a few intakes of this wonderful course and I was lucky enough to be a part of it and just learnt so much about relationships and they're such a core component of our life so I think that that is why I'm so excited to have this conversation because I want everyone to get an insight into how they can be empowered in their relationship Um, and I'm also just excited because you're a dead set legend so (laughs) really pumped to have you. Thanks Tess. (laughs) Yeah I'm looking forward to it as well it's like we tried to tee it up um a little while ago and it just didn't quite land but I'm, I'm really stoked to be here mm. yeah having this conversation excited to see where it goes and mm. yeah, it'll be a lot of fun no doubt mm. stoked to have you here so today we're launching into um, things like attachment styles the different phases of um, relationship things like independence and codependence and you guys might have heard these um phrases thrown around but when I started this course I was just saying to tell before we hopped on that I felt like such a um such a newbie really like we didn't learn this in school and and we 
learn it incidentally along the way in relationships, but it can make us want to tear our hair out, right? So learning it along the way with support is really fantastic. Um, before we dive in, Tal, can you give us a little bit of background um, into yourself and your life and how things are traveling along for you? Yeah, sure. So right now, um, life is amazing. I'm in the best <laughs> chapter yet. Um, yeah. I've got a nearly 11-month-old son, Rafi, and um, we're just loving the parent life. It's obviously comes with its challenges and, and all that, but every day, it's just a daily reminder. He's just such a little legend. And it's, yeah. um, it's really as much as life is full and you would think, it becomes more complicated. It, it's actually really simplified things, mm. um, simplified priorities, simplified uh, just the important things. It's very easy. I would get swept up in a lot of stuff like work and business and what am I doing? What am I creating? And all of this is very easy to, to get swept up in other people's agendas as well. And so, yeah, the last 11 months it's been – uh, it's been amazing in, in just learning, <laughs> I guess, new boundaries and just things that were maybe, oh, maybe I'll give my time to that person, place, idea, whatever. Maybe it just becomes very clear, no or yes. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's like been, yeah, the, a little snapshot of the last 11 months. Mm. Um, so inspiring to tell to hear that that way of living is out there. Mm. I mean, I think we all get... Um, glimpses into it or some of us are living in that way but hearing that life can be so full but you can be in full receivership of that fullness and it just fill up your cup and sort of cut away the rest of the noise that wasn't filling up your cup yeah and that's the word receivership it's like I feel like that's what I got schooled in Mm -hmm. um, through the pregnancy but really through the birth and the postpartum period was just opening up to a new level of receivership, receiving support, receiving new levels of love that you just, and all parents would know, but it's, it's like, it's just a different beast and wow. being open to receiving and experiencing it all was, it was a stretch. It was a real, it was, yeah, a real turning point for me in my life. It's, you know, you can go and do the courses and go to the retreats and do the things, but it was, yeah, definitely, um, having Rafi and then doing it in the way we did with the amount of support we did changed how I operate in the world for sure. And just from looking from the outside, it looked like coming from that place really set the foundation for how you wanted to feel as parents and how you wanted baby Rafi to be supported and to receive love like what I saw was just community. Mm. I think that that's been so wonderful for me to see that for the future it is Mm. out there and you can you can ask for support and receive it in the way that you did yeah yeah big time and it was it was quite intentional too like I've known I wanted to be a dad for a very long time and part of the reason I became so passionate about relationships is because doing all the personal growth work I'd done it was very clear that the dynamic a child is in in those early years of life significantly impacts their growth and development and how they move through the world. And the relationship that is at the center of the home has a huge impact into how that home feels. So 
the best thing I could be doing for my future child was sorting my shit out with when it comes to relationships and learning to thrive in that. And so, yeah, that was, that was really intentional. And then, yeah, the community, yeah, that, that sort of built around us as well, which was, which was a a very important cherry on top of Mm. of the cake for sure. Mm. I would watch, um, you know, stories or videos or photos that you guys would pop up. And I would think to myself, like through the Ignite lens about, you know, incorporating play and fun into being into a child's life, um, not forcing children to do things that they don't want to do, letting them feel their emotions, all that sort of stuff I can see playing out in real life, which I loved because um, I think a lot of us grew up in quite you know, um, maybe serious childhoods or where we had to take on responsibilities that we may not have felt ready to take on and to be able to see how the way that you operate in the Ignite course can be applied to, you know, a child's life is very cool. Mm, yeah, it's, it's um, I guess because a lot of the work within conscious relationship is work within ourself first and foremost. And it's really a lot of our habits and behaviors and the way we show up in relationships stem from our relationship to our primary caregivers, which obviously goes back to our childhood. So a lot of the work to step into a thriving relationship is actually reparenting ourselves kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and taking, being aware of the sort of conditioning that we've received sifting through because it's not all bad do you know what i mean sifting through being like what serves us what doesn't not judging it just Mm. objectively looking at it and then yeah going through the process of reparenting ourselves because otherwise what we end up doing subconsciously is wanting our partner to do that and we take whatever mummy or daddy issues we have and i don't say that um in a derogatory way at all like we've all got uh wounds and and different things that we have with our parents and even, you know, I'm sure all parents are doing their best, you know, um, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, Rafi's going to have his stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's taking responsibility for that. So yeah, it has been amazing to see that that just applies because in our, in our partner, there's a little boy or a little girl mm-hmm. that just wants to be loved as well, mm-hmm. you know? And so developing that level of compassion and awareness um, flows into every area of life, but especially, yeah, parenting. Yeah. And I love that you've mentioned judgment because compassion and awareness need to go together, right? The work that this is involving quite a bit of inner child work and shadow Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. and compassion is such a core component of that. Otherwise, shame comes into it and shame is just a shit storm when it comes to inner child wounds and shadow work right so coming at it from um and i this line gets repeated a lot that our parents were doing you know generally doing the best with the resources that they were given Mm. and that depends on so many things that have come into their you know life and their field and their childhood so i love that you've mentioned judgment because i the session that i had with Um, you and the Ignite course that blew my mind was about attachment styles and how our, you know, connections with our parents and our attachments to our parents or primary caregivers really informs that. And 
you had set us up to be really compassionate with ourselves and practice self-soothing and really um, dispelling any sort of heaviness around that with compassion, which was really wonderful for me because I had never thought about attachment styles. And when I really went into, you know, looking at that and when you described that with us, I realized some things that, you know, had I been hard on myself, I would have been like, I can never love again. (laughs) And the way that you looked at this is an attachment style, but this is not a recipe for the rest of your life. This is something that you can, I guess a way to say is display when you're in stress, but there are so many tools to support you. And that includes self-compassion. Big time. And yeah, I love that you bring that up and I'm stoked that landed so much for you because all of these attachment styles, masculine and feminine, um, whatever, they're all just frameworks Mm -hmm. and all frameworks have labels with the intention to better understand ourselves. The thing about labels though, is we like to attach to them either consciously Mm -hmm. or unconsciously. So if we say look at attachment styles and be like, oh, I've got an anxious attachment style, sometimes if you don't have a certain level of awareness, you can play into that more and it can actually do the opposite of serving you. And so, yeah, having that context before you look at anything, but especially something like attachment styles is understanding, cool, this is just a psychological framework. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? This is a, a theory and a framework that we can use to better understand ourselves, better understand our partners, and bring more love and connection into uh, how we're operating together. Mm-hmm. And it's so deep, isn't it? Like the tools that you give are, like I think inherently a lot of them are really simple things that you can use, but the work is so deep. And um, I think like it goes with everything in the personal development journey that we're learning and then we're also unlearning and sort of integrating it in a way that feels good and quite often like you just said we can attach to this attachment style label (laughs) and go well sorry I have an an anxious attachment style so I need you at my beck and call you know or I this is just what I do because I have an anxious attachment style rather than going right this is where I go when I'm in stress why does that happen how can I serve myself and my partner and my relationship in that place rather than living under this label 100%. It's like all personal development work can be weaponized. Yes. (laughs) We can use things as an excuse for shitty behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And and that's where it's like the the lens that we come to it all with is is just really important. Um, Having that self, like what's the goal? What's the whole point? Because it's once you get into it, it's such a, especially if you like learning, do you Mm. know what I mean? And, And you value growth. It's so can be really addictive to learn new things. And it's very easy to forget the whole fucking point why you started. Like, hang on a second. We wanted more connection. And now we're just bickering about this aspect of an attachment. Like Mm -hmm. let's let's not forget the point here as well. When do we we experience joy? Yeah. Go in. There's a time and a place for diving into our shit. Mm -hmm. And then there's a time and place for, as we were chatting about before, making stupid reels and posting them on Instagram. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, yeah both uh, are necessary and I find will naturally uh, sit towards one of those, will Mm. naturally be a more deep, introspective soul explorer 
mm-hmm. or will kind of be lighter, funnier, use humor as a way to navigate life and, and those kinds of things. And I find mm-hmm. knowing that, and again, not judging it, just been recognizing, like, oh, cool, I tend to sit here more often. I wonder what happens if I move to the other side. Yes. You know, yeah. like I wonder what, I wonder what happened. Like that's where the, the growth normally is. And normally as it goes in relationships, our partners <laughs> tend to be the opposite of whatever we are generally, uh-huh. you know, polarity. as a general rule. Yeah. That polarity, that attraction mm. is. So it's like often the flex to what we're not comfortable with. So it might be the person who might be driving a lot of the personal growth or, Hey, let's read it. Like maybe they would actually benefit a lot from doing less. Yes. playing more and, mm-hmm. and all of that and everything has a season but uh yeah it's just an interesting thing to to look at mm. and it's a great precursor to what we're going to talk about today that take this information and learn about this wonderful course but I guess um just integrate it in a way and over a time span that feels good for you rather than um you know I think a classic one is you sort of can do what you want to and then apologize and say, uh, I just self-sabotage. But if it continues over a few years and the self-sabotage and sorry pattern continues, then it's not really, I guess that's where, and not in a judgment, trying to say this in a non-judgmental way. I would imagine that if the pattern keeps continuing, you're sort of not moving forward towards a conscious relationship or connection or understanding each mm. other more. It's more just a pattern of um, doing and saying sorry, but just with a different vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. And that's the, um, and like you say, it doesn't make that person wrong or uh, it's just a difference in resonance. And then yeah. this is whenever something doesn't work, let's just say a relationship, we always, we're very deeply conditioned to not be wrong because if we're wrong, we're a bad boy or a bad girl. So we want to be right. And to do that, we feel like we have to make the other person wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's just oppositional thinking that is conditioned and part of our sort of lower mind, you you would say. So, and, and it can be really difficult, but it's, it's, yeah, recognizing, and this can be in friendships as well. It's like, okay, maybe there isn't the same commitment to this, to this work and to this path. And if we stay in our zone doing our thing and our partner doesn't, and it's not, everybody grows at different rates mm-hmm. in different ways. So it's not like, oh, I want to do this course and you don't. Our relationship's not right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's like, like you said, that time, if it happens over a couple of years, then it, then that's when you would start to ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. And without making somebody wrong, it's maybe it's not in somebody's path to dive super deep. Yeah. You know, maybe what they've experienced is so traumatic that it's like they won't be ready for that for another five years. Yeah. You no. know, you just, you don't know. There's, yeah. there's just so much that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, and that's why, yeah, we put together the Ignite course, but it was because we wanted a way that people could start to unpack this stuff in a safe way. Yes. You know, it's not like a five hour long breath work session that's going to throw you into all, you know, all of your trauma and all like, it's not, so. it's, it's quite simple stuff, yeah. but if you, it, it, it allows you to just sort of peel back the layers one at a time, which I've found over the 
five, six years of doing this work is actually the most powerful way to do it. Definitely. Yeah. And you, you get that access when you want to, like you get those links, you can come back over a lifetime mm. and, you know, access that content, which, which I found really useful. I wrote down all my notes and then let it all sit and then actually went through a breakup. And then when I came back to those notes and the videos and everything, everything had played out as it was meant to all of the notes that I'd popped down about non-negotiables and boundaries and just everything came out to play. But it, like you said, timing wise at the time when you're so deep in something, it's not always the moment to, you know, just because you've planted the seed doesn't mean it's about to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a really important part of your course is that you aren't just blowing someone's mind open and leaving them. Mm. (laughs) You know, uh, it's a supported course and you can access it. So, yeah. 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 Change takes time. Mm. Like there's such a deep addiction to instant gratification. It's like, change takes time depending on say you're 30 when you take this course you've been living in a way with certain patterns of behavior for 30 years yeah it makes sense that it's going to take a little while at least give yourself three months (laughs) do you know what i mean a year maybe like when you actually look at it it's ridiculous how Mm -hmm. fast that we expect things to happen and that's not to say change can't happen change can happen fast but to expect that it will and think there's something wrong with you or your partner or the process you're going through because it is taking some time. It's just a, it's a, a sneaky shadowy way of keeping you stuck where you are because yes. it's that judgment that comes back in. So the first thing that I always try to remind people like take a breath, mm-hmm. <laughs> zoom out a little bit. It's all okay. Like where are we at? Slow down, yeah. have compassion because anything that doesn't come from that place, we can only create more of the state that we're in when we're creating. Mm. So if we're stressed and anxious and judgmental and trying to sit down and do a course, that good luck. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's, that state you enter into it with is just as important as the material or whatever you're engaging in. And, you know, we're looking at it through the lens of this course, but that applies to anything, mm. to your creative practice, to your business if you're stressed anxious and all that and you sit down and do work with your business you're infusing your business with that yeah if you come to your relationship with that so it's it's recognizing the power of that creating change in anything especially relationships it's as soon as that judgment is present it's like you're missing the point yes (laughs) go back to go you know (laughs) yes that is so important we kind of need to all write that on our bathroom mirrors, right? Like if we're coming at it from stress, we're missing the point. Mm, yeah. None of this is meant to make us more stressed or meant to make life harder. I think some of us can be addicted to hard and addicted mm-hmm. to um, things having, having to be so complicated that they, that makes them meaningful. But if we can, if a lot of us can get under those layers, like the most simple joyful things are really what it's all about. And I'm just speaking from my own experience. I used to think that things needed to be hard. That was a story. And over, you know, three or four years, I've really come to the time where I feel most in my life is where things are so simple 
because I've removed that sort of attachment to, you know, love is has to be this fiery, hard thing and, you know, work has to be hard and I have to earn, earn, earn my joy, whether as joy can be really simple. Joy mm. is simple. Well, it is, and yeah. Rafi would tell you that too. Yeah. <laughs> like he's been my biggest teacher with that. Every morning I wake up and walk in and he'll be sitting up in bed with Kat. Kat will still be sleeping and he'll just be looking at me like, oh. we've got another day. Yeah. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's go, Dad. And it's it's like, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not only joy can be simple, it's that joy is our birthright. It's, our, yes. it's what we come into the world. Mm. It's a natural state. Yeah. But if we didn't have an environment that was conducive to that. Mm. So our neurology, our physiology, our mind and our body are conditioned and programmed to be familiar with anxiety, then love and joy, although it might feel great, is going to feel unfamiliar. Mm. And our subconscious brain, thousands and thousands of years of evolution, recognizes unfamiliar with unsafe. That's why we can get into a relationship, feel love, and then self-sabotage back into a fight or a sense of anxiety or disconnect because that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going somewhere new requires us to sit in that discomfort for long enough until we get used to it, mm. creating a new normal for ourselves, And that is more than just a mindset. That's like an embodiment practice. Like it's to practice feeling that way mm. and to keep coming back with that compassion time and time again because yeah like i say years of mm-hmm. and it, and we're complex you know like i said these frameworks simplify it but it's you've got your environment growing up then your environment with your friends and then any relationships you've had and like all of these things impact and leave their mark good and bad yes and that stays with us mm-hmm. and so it's recognizing okay what do i want What's the vision I want for my relationship and my life? And being really clear on, on that, not the specific goals and stuff, but the vision of how you want to feel. Yeah. And then being able to honestly look at where you're at. Mm-hmm. So then you can be like, well, what's the gap? So, like, okay, like I operate this way in conflict in my relationship. That's not part of my vision. Mm-hmm. How do I look at that? Not from, and, and again, it's a really underestimated skill being able to honestly self-assess without judging. Yeah. Because more often than not, we look at that with criticism. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what we receive from teacher, from primary caregiver. We were criticized. So then we avoid kind of just having an honest look at ourselves. Yeah. And this is where coaches and, and these outside support can be so beneficial because they can help us with that. Because it's a practice, it's a skill to be able to do it without the judgment. Because mm-hmm. doing it with the judgment doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. But not doing it at all stops you from moving forward as well. Mm. And can be really painful. Oh. Most of our listeners have had a point where, you know, I think it's fair to say a lot of people have been pushed to breaking point in a relationship where you just don't know where to move. Mm. I also want to share this wonderful course with everyone at the end because it was the best money I've spent easily. Like it has really framed things for me for good. Um, So I really want to go through that at the end. Maybe if we can just go through, obviously we don't want to um, 
dive into everything because that will take a long time. It's a Ten weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Ten weeks. Um, but if we can start with, so we've talked about attachment styles. Some people have heard of them. Some people haven't. I know they're sort of not a buzzword, but they're like being talked about a bit more. But I really want to talk to you about them because I actually I had a podcast the other day. Uh, someone sent it to me, and it was you know, a friend who was like, oh, this is great because um, now I know about these styles. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll have a listen. But it was laced with judgment. And it was um, two people and they ended up having a laugh and saying, oh, so basically if you have an avoidant attachment style, you're kind of a shit person. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. And I was like, that's a terrible podcast episode. I'm not going to listen to that again. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's completely missing the point. And I, I wonder if you agree, Tal, like the attachment styles are not about good and bad people. The attachment styles are connected to trauma and what has happened to us as tiny little innocent humans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can you yeah. Well, the- 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm glad you shared that because mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, it pains me when I hear stuff like that, especially, mm-hmm. you know, if they've got a big fault, like, Cause that can, it just reinforces disconnect. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So attachment styles, like I say, it's, it's a framework. It's a psychological framework. And the most important thing I believe is the kind of the step we speak, spoke into before you look at the attachment styles. And there's a few different ways of looking at it too. Like there's a few different schools of thought on this. So this is, um, this is attachment styles according to Tully and how Tully looks at it, right? Um, so the, you've got a secure attachment, mm-hmm. then you've got an anxious attachment style. And again, there's different labels for that. And then an avoidant attachment style. And you can also have a disorganized attachment style, which is actually like a blend of all three, depending on the circumstance. Because like I said, we're complex creatures and we've had complex mm-hmm. history. So this is can be an oversimplification of things but i think for the sake of this conversation it's probably best to just quickly touch on avoidant secure and anxious and so the the research i've seen there's roughly 50 percent of the population has a secure attachment style and then there's about 25 percent in each and then once you throw in disorganized it bumps them around a little bit but just as a general um general look at things Mm -hmm. and so we all have the capacity for all of it. Mm. And when we're not in the stress response, so when we're not triggered or operating from stress, generally we'll feel quite secure. And a secure attachment style looks like trusting that our needs will be met, feeling safe, feeling seen, feeling heard, the good feels. Do you know what I mean? Like when when you're in the zone, feeling good. And generally that is because we've had developed healthy attachment with our primary caregivers mm. because what happens in those, especially those early years, zero to three, zero to six, that is when we're forming our map of the world and really our map of ourself in the world too. So that's, that's kind of the secure attachment style. Mm. Now, everybody would have heard of the fight, flight or freeze response. Mm. A, a way I like to look at it is depending on our upbringing, we will, have preferenced one of those did we learn to fight when we were stressed did we learn to 
flee, flee. run away. Yeah. Yep. Or, or yep. Or shut down, freeze. Yeah. Right. And so generally somebody will have an avoidant attachment style if they were to, to flight or to freeze, to shut down. Mm-hmm. So an avoidant attachment style that is somebody who generally had sort of distant, either physically or emotionally, um, parents, maybe dismissive parents, uh, and just didn't get their needs met. So they learned early on that either the needs weren't important or that can be so deep in their subconscious that they kind of feel like they don't really have needs in relationship right. because they've never really had that experience. Mm. And so somebody who has an avoidant attachment style, their response to stress, AKA conflict, this, this happens is most obvious when there's conflict in the relationship. Mm-hmm. they'll either shut down and want to move away or need space, won't be able to be with that. Mm-hmm. And they'll want to, yeah, run, quote unquote, maybe not physically, but, mm-hmm. and they can do that just by purely shutting down and stonewalling as yeah. well. Yeah. And so that's a conditioned behavior. Mm-hmm. Beneath that, there are needs. Every human being has needs. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so not, that... Not just a black soul who is just a quote, <laughs> yeah. bad person. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and when you dive a bit deeper, actually, a lot of the time the conscious fear is different to the unconscious fear. So that an avoidant attachment style might have the conscious fear of intimacy, of they've got the belief that relationships restrict freedom and, and these kinds of things. Whereas unconsciously, even though they're doing a lot of the running, unconsciously their deepest fear is probably being abandoned. Yeah. Because if I open myself up, and again, they might not be aware this is happening, but when you dig through the layers, I've worked with enough people to see the patterns yeah. emerge. So that's kind of an overview of an avoidant attachment style. And the challenge for, and this is, I was probably secure attachment and then would go into avoid in a little bit before I kind of started doing the work. And what was really helpful. Yeah. What was really helpful for me and the challenge is a do the work to uh, excavate the needs that you have because they're there and that can be uncomfortable and just difficult. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is starting to just develop enough emotional awareness to recognize what's going on. Yes. Be able to verbalize that. Yeah. So to be able to verbalize, hey, I'm I'm close. I can feel myself closing down. Mm-hmm. Can't hold space for you. And I actually like I'm getting the feeling like I want to bounce right. <laughs> out of here. It's so key, isn't it? Emotional awareness because when you mention that stress response, I think that is so important in all of this. Um, for me personally, I can be, um, you know, badgered and pushed and um, like pulled a lot of different ways, and it won't stress me. And if I'm not stressed, you won't see me shutting down or mm. just needing to um, like seek freedom um, and all of the other things that come along with it. But as soon as that you've pushed me over the edge, then you'll see it. And that's where it's really important to go stress. Okay. How can I come back to like soothing myself or do I need space? Do I mm-hmm. need to verbalize it? I think that's so great that that's a part of uh, your work, Tully, because we you know, I was talking to my mum about how I teach my clients to recognize emotions. And she was like, well, I don't know. We, I never really got taught to speak about what exact emotion I'm feeling at that point. It's, mm. quite a, it's a foreign process to a lot of people, mm. which is why you often get the zero to 100 thing, but there's been little buildups along the way of that stress response. Yeah, 100%. And it, um, 
it makes it less personal as yes. well. Do you know what I mean? It makes it, and without abdicating responsibility, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, we're not trying to make it less personal so we don't have to be responsible for it and be like, hey, it was just, it wasn't me, it was my attachment style. Like, <laughs> it's not that, but it's like, yeah, to just remove any shame or judgment because if that's in the space, the first rule of healing is create safety. Mm-hmm. There's no safety, there's no healing. And essentially what we're doing to move towards a more secure attachment style is to heal the parts of us that are anchored in those less helpful attachment styles. Mm-hmm. And unless there's safety, no healing can take place. Judgment doesn't create a safe environment. Mm-hmm. So as, as long as that's present and it's just and it's something because we're so we naturally go there so often, especially again when that stress is present because we start to see the world through that lens. Yeah. literally looking for predators and and looking for things to judge yeah. but because we want to stay alive so it's just i know i keep banging on about it but it's it's so it's so so important yeah i agree um and then so the anxious attachment style that is more um really seeks closeness mm-hmm. um rather than seeking and that and it Typically, if the person developed more of that fight response, that engage response when they were younger, mm-hmm. then or, and, and the freeze can happen as well. If, if they were more tended to freeze or shut down, that can sort of lead to the anxious attachment style too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is more, typically, they had their needs met some of the time. Mm-hmm. So they got a taste of what it's like to have their needs met and feel love and connection but it wasn't consistent and it wasn't all the time. And that's why you hear like, if you listen to anybody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to sort of parenting advice, one of the most important things is consistency. Yeah. Even if you, what you're doing isn't great, if you're consistent with it, that's actually arguably more beneficial than inconsistently. Yeah. Yeah. So that inconsistency, that inconsistency of love, of safety is what can, contribute to an anxious attachment style because then you've you've got a a quench for how good it feels to have it but you don't trust it Mm -hmm. you don't trust your partner to provide for your needs so therefore a lot of the time you've got a lot of needs bubbling up but you're scared to ask for what you need the anxious attach yeah and and this this one is the joke you know you expect your partner to know read your mind and fulfill your needs without you asking yeah. And then you get disappointed when they don't read your mind and fulfill your needs without you asking. Yeah. And, and so the other thing with an anxious attachment style is they can be very quick to judge mm-hmm. out of a, like a safety mechanism mm-hmm. and usually make negative judgments usually about themselves. Yeah. So something might happen. They'll quickly make an assumption about a situation and usually that will be a negative assumption and about themselves. This happened. They didn't text back because this, because they think this about me, yes. they don't love me, and, and, and it goes and goes and goes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're just a couple of traits to be. And if you're listening to this, you're like, you'll probably know, you're like, oh, I probably I lean towards that anxious attachment style or the avoidant, or you might be a mix or you might be sitting more in a secure mm-hmm. attachment style. So the challenge for somebody with an anxious attachment style is to um, get comfortable expressing their needs as they arise. Because part of that pattern is suppress needs, suppress, 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 play it cool, especially during the dating phase. No, I'm chill. I'm Mm -hmm. chill. I'm chill. Bam, explode. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) 
I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> take care of my own needs. But, yeah, yeah. But um, but then it, yeah, it leads to that exploding. Yeah. So the challenge is to, and this is where both creating a safe environment is super important within the relationship because it's really uncomfortable for both people to lean into this. And if you're not in a safe relationship where this can be discussion and be like, Hey, how can we work towards this? If you're, if you have an anxious attachment style and you start to express your needs can be friendship, can be a paternal relationship, can be an intimate relationship. And it's not actually a safe, healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. It can sort of reinforce things because yeah. you're opening yourself up in an unsafe space. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something to be mindful of, mm-hmm. um, of where and how you start to do it. And that's why doing this work on your own is great. But doing this work as a couple is just transformational because you're both speaking the same language like you're both you're like oh and and yeah it's just so much more effective Mm -hmm. yeah and what um what you're moving towards because i think this is a really nice i guess way of installing instilling hope in people is that we're able to learn tools to sort of, you know, navigate our attachment style, right? And when things come up that um, would usually like hashtag trigger us or um, (laughs) elicit that like avoidant and anxious attachment response, we can start to notice the changes. So we we would normally react and call our partner a name or where we would leave the house in the middle of an argument um, you know, suspect that um, they're going to leave or wonder when they're going to leave or expect it, we start to go, actually, nothing, you know, for instance, nothing is wrong and I'm fantastic and, you know, we're empowered in this relationship or, hey, maybe it's best to stay in the house and talk this out or maybe it's best for instead of me yelling at my partner or badgering them to just take a deep breath and go do something that fills up my cup and then come back from that safe place again. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, and you are so, you and Kat are so great at saying this, that we aren't doomed from our attachment style. It is their way of knowing signs. And then, and then there's so many tools that you can use to support yourself to come back to that secure attachment response. Yeah, we're so malleable, like yeah. our brain, neuroplasticity, it's a thing. I'm sure yeah. most of your listeners are aware of that, but our brain can change its physical structure mm-hmm. through the thoughts that we think and then combining that with embodiment practices and even embodiment practice, practice doing something different. Yeah. So I think one thing to point out is it's really important to when you're not in that response, because if you are both triggered, rational thought, isn't there that's not the time to decide oh hey maybe we should stay in the house now because you won't you just won't be able to so you're kind of setting yourself up to fail so it's have a discussion about your patterns how do things normally go when there's conflict this is how it normally goes okay well why don't we try this yeah when it gets to this point let's do this Mm -hmm. can you just remind me that you love me and and share that you need to take some space 
so and then go to the other room rather than leave the house or it can look a million different ways and everyone's different Mm -hmm. but having those conversations when you're both feeling connected and Mm -hmm. clear and loving on each other Mm -hmm. and then have a crack see what happens next time it shows up and you're like well that didn't fucking work like (laughs) what what doing you know and and then it's yeah yeah, like make Mm -hmm. a plan implement it review it Mm-hmm. And then if, if, if let's just say you try that 10 times and nothing changes, that's when getting support mm. and, and then getting an outside perspective, but there's always a way like, and, and I think the other thing that's important with all of this is recognize the gift that it is. Mm. We generally attract somebody who triggers parts of us that are wanting to be healed. Yeah. And so when we can start to look at it through, not just, Hey, there's, you know, nothing inherently wrong with us, but what a fucking gift mm. that you trigger that part of me. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and we are unconsciously attracted to partners who mirror those things back to us, mm. who behave in a certain way that, hey, that's kind of what my mum or dad used to do. Yeah. And it makes me sad or it pisses me off or whatever it is. It's like, cool. That's bringing that to the surface so it can be looked at and healed and worked through. And that's mm. how we evolve. Because just learning some stuff from a mental level, it doesn't change your being. So, the- And then you're conditioning yourself, right, Tal? Like every time you have, and I'm sure some of you guys listening will have felt it, when you have a really great outcome from a discussion about your relationship, it feels so good. It's and euphoric. It's so euphoric and it conditions you to feel safe in your relationship and within yourself and that next time actually maybe we can do that next mm-hmm. time. Just mm-hmm. it's just like the fear response. If we experience fear every time, our brain isn't going to go cool. You can handle this. It's yeah. going to go danger. Mm-hmm. You know, use the resources that you have instead of actually this could work out, and we can mm-hmm. work through this. And let's mm-hmm. use our tools and work from connection instead of feeding into what we've always done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's under it. It makes it possible. It's like the four-minute mile, Roger Bannister. They used to think it was impossible for a human to run a mile in under four minutes. And this guy did it. And then in the next year, I'm going to get the number wrong, but something like 20 people ran it. And it hadn't been done before that, but just because it became a mental possibility that it could be done, people started living into it. And so this is where the power of environment, like there's lots of tools to move from secure, I mean, from anxious to secure, avoidant to the secure, Mm -hmm. the best and most powerful one, spend time around people who have secure attachment style mm-hmm. in friendships. And this is the power of environment and a, the secret source of the course as well is you're putting yourself in an environment where even if people aren't there, they're committed to being there. Yeah. And, and, and so it's because when you are with someone, whether we're spending time like this on a call, you start to get a transmission of what it feels like to have a secure attachment style. So then you can almost connect with that. Yes. You can almost be like, what would that person do in this situation? Yes. What would uh-huh. what would that person do? And and it's a feeling and and it's it's why environment is so powerful. Yeah. Like if all of your friends bitch and moan about their partners, find new friends. Mm. If you want a beautiful relationship. Mm. If you want it, you, know? if you want the same patterns, then keep the same. Yeah. Yeah. Happens. And it, again, that's not from a place of judgment. It's just from a place of like, let's look at things for what they are totally. and put yourself in situations. And again, part of the reason we started doing this work four years ago now, or 
I don't even know how long, about that long, um, was we were like that we couldn't find that many examples, to be honest. Like no, it's not. No. even in the, the teachers that I was learning a lot of amazing stuff from behind the scenes, when it came to it, I was like, I don't know if I would trade places. I don't know if I would have that relationship. And yeah. so, yeah, we kind of just did what we could found the few examples that we could spent spent more time with them, but really decided we were like, how does it look? Right. How do we want it to look? And then based on everything we've learned, personal development world, embodiment stuff, tantra stuff, intimacy stuff. Mm. What from this is going to get us there? Yes. And 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 that's kind of how how it all mm. yeah, evolved because it's if there isn't the possibility, not even just the possibility, but the excitement about the concept of change, mm-hmm. it won't happen. Right. Yeah. Because whatever we're giving our emotional energy to, that's what we're manifesting, quote unquote, or creating. Whatever we're thinking and, and giving it a strong emotional energy to, that's what we're creating. Yeah. So if that is anchored in the past and what they did and, and things that have gone on before us, all you're going to do is recreate more of the same. Mm. So not only do we need to believe it's possible, but we need to get fucking excited mm. about how epic the life that we're creating together is and, and be clear on that vision we have for our relationship. Because without that, you can do the things, you can learn the tools and the techniques, but if it's not seeped in, in excitement for the change that you're creating, it's going to be uh, slow and more painful than it needs to be. Yes. I love that. And it just makes me think of like, let's see how good it can get. Yeah. And let's see, like for, for you guys, I just imagine that sometimes you're thinking, let's show people how good it can be. You know, because these relationships are so core to us. So if they're great, it just radiates across our life, right? Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a gift. And the health professional in me, because before I started doing all this work, I was, I'm a physiotherapist by trade. And um, not only is it, but it's in terms of longevity and health, there's nothing more important for us than having healthy intimate relationships mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. with our intimate partner or and, and close friends close community but there's nothing that's better for our immune system there's nothing that's better for the quality and longevity length of our life so mm-hmm. from a purely practical point of view it's like do this work like sort yeah. sort sort your shit out when it comes <laughs> to relationships because it'll pay more dividends than anything else mm-hmm. that you can do and and you're right like that does guide a lot of how I show up, to be honest, because the the inner critic is real, the mm-hmm. old patterns are real, and mm-hmm. they they can cling, and often that commitment to service, and whether that is service to your kids, service to your community, ours happens to be in the work that we do as well, but often that can be a really strong anchor to be like, okay, I'm not going to slip back into that pattern. Because it's not just about me, you know. And again, it was for for doing it for the kids. Is is why we started this work, you know, for ours. But then for everybody else that I that we knew were wanting to live in a certain way, it's like you, it, it, there's so much more meaning to it than just oh, working on my relationship. It's like no, 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 no. This is probably 
the biggest form of service. I don't care what your job is. This is probably the biggest form of service that you could have in the world. Yes. For yourself and then for what you then represent for others. You become the Roger Bannister for other people. Yeah. You become the, the, the couple that's holding point for how good it can fucking be. Mm-hmm. And, and that is exciting. Mm. Oh, I'm excited. I've already done this course and I'm right there again, like wanting to sign up again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll jump in jump in um because yeah like we've we've created the ongoing group now i'm not sure if you saw yeah. the email so on, um, facebook yeah. yeah 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 um i've got a new facebook account but i was in that original one i need to hop back in there because it was um it was so great to go in sort of with a fresh set of eyes really because we're changing mm. we're shedding skin all the time and to go into that again yeah, um, I need to look that up. Thanks for reminding me. But yeah, I, loved, no. I wiped my Facebook because I just wanted to simplify everything. And yeah, good um, along with that, a lot of fantastic groups that I was a part of. Yeah. So slowly crawling my way back now. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, there's so many things I want to cover, Tal. Um, I think another really important one to, so there's so many key, like it's 10 weeks, right, and 10 different is it 10 different focuses? You were 10 different classes. It alternates between couples class and then individual class. So I'll take the men, I'll take the women. Yeah. So just to one more thing. So there's 10 different focuses and we've only touched on two. There's so much to learn within this yeah. course. But um, attachment styles was one and how we are, you know, how we grow up as littlies was a really important part of the first um, couple of weeks for mm. memory another thing that I found really important and something that I think a lot of us will relate to and can be quite infuriating is the different stages in a relationship that mm. you know everyone talks about the honeymoon ends and it's something that gets quoted in movies and songs but what do we do when the honeymoon ends <laughs> and we enter the like um i'll let you discuss the different phases but we enter the phase where um the rose goggles come off and we actually see what's going on from Mm. whatever lens we are in at the time um can you talk a little bit to that and then i really want to have a chat about the course in general yeah for sure so yeah the phases of relationship again this is just a framework that helps us understand things and there's kind of three main phases um, that we that we look at anyway, and there's the obvious honeymoon phase that we all kind of know about. It's really, and a good book for anybody listening is called The Honeymoon Effect by mm-hmm. Bruce Bruce Lipton. I'm pretty sure it is, because mm-hmm. um, he breaks down the neurochemistry of the honeymoon phase, and that's the thing we can recreate those feelings, because essentially what happens is there's hormonal and neurological shifts that have us feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. So you literally, you're feeling that pumping through your, your body. A lot of that comes from a deep level of presence. Mm. And if we can cultivate and, and appreciation mm. and generosity and compassion mm. and all of these things, it's just when we first meet someone, they naturally all come to the surface. We're naturally choosing our higher self, putting our best foot forward quote unquote and it all just happens automatically but there's nothing that stops us from actually recognizing hey what goes on in that phase and how can i bring that more and it might not be the same but how can i bring that more into 
um, day-to-day life. So that's the first thing. These aren't predetermined phases that, yeah. But the natural arc of a relationship will likely go through them. Another phase like you touched on when the rose-colored lenses come off um, is the shadow phase. And that is more where we start to, and it's really important because it balances things out because initially it's honeymoon phase and that is steeped in infatuation. Right. Pedestal our partner. We create an image of what we they are and what we want them to be. And so anything less than that is a fall from grace that we right. have put yeah. them on, yeah. which is just fucking unfair because we're exactly. all human. Yeah. We all have shit that stinks. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's not, an, it's not an accurate look at the world, right? So the shadow phase is almost like to create balance with that. It's like, yes, they're all of this, but do you know what? They're also all of this. Yeah. And you're also all of this. All these parts that you've been denying and hiding and all of that, that's you too. They're there, yeah. And so two things can happen. We can blow up and separate in that. We can... And separating isn't always a bad thing, obviously. It's Mm -hmm. like sometimes it's an alignment thing and it's like, hey, we're here. I recognize there's work and and both people might not or it just might be super unhealthy. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, this is unhealthy. Yeah. You know, so it's... And that's important too, right, Tal? I think when I got into this, I was like, oh, what what is... um, Actually, this was a big thing for me was learning what is empowering for me and where I need to hold tight and work with it. And then where the line of it being unhealthy is, mm, because, mm. Um, like you said to me um, in a message, when we were organizing this, your intention isn't to keep people together regardless <laughs> of anything when it's unhealthy or toxic or dangerous. That's a completely different story. You're looking at where no big boundaries have been crossed. No non-negotiables have happened that you have decided, no, that's it for me. Mm. You're looking at where, where's it getting a little bit murky, a little bit challenging and bringing up your inner stuff and how can we um, sit with that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like (laughs) the arrogance that we would have if we thought everybody who did this course would live happily ever after. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like there's yeah. over 230 couples have gone through it. Just the sheer math. I'm sure yeah. I know of a few that have separated yeah. um, and I'm sure there's a, a, a few that I haven't. And um, that doesn't make their work in the course any less beneficial. No. And you're a perfect example. So like if you've taken that to your next relationship and it's like, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, um, the perfect, I think the like fantastic way to look at it on an individual level is if this relationship truly isn't for you and you are doing this work, you'll get signs. There will be signs that, um, that it, this isn't just like um, small tweaks you need to make. There's big things happening. Um, yeah. I think that's, yeah, a really cool yeah. thing is that you learn yeah. whether your relationship lasts or not. So Ignite showed me so much about my relationship that I would never have known otherwise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that will be, couple or not, will be such a fantastic thing for me to know forever. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's because um, a lot of the work is with ourselves first and foremost, yeah. you know, and then we're doing it with our partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so the shadow phase, like it, 
is a beautiful, important, and Kat and I went through this. We navigated so much stuff and we got thrown into the deep end because when we came together, I was, we were, I was deep in this work. Mm. Like we became official, quote unquote, at a week-long Tantra retreat mm. that I was supporting on. And so we were in it. And so all the stuff, all the breaches of trust, all the fears, all the deep, dark stuff that you try to hide, it's like that came up. And that's why we believe in this work so much because it's not just a nice idea. Like we've literally navigated some heavy stuff and have found the gold in it and are now living it. And, and so it's that shadow phase, the key, and I've said it about 50 times already, (laughs) but is removing the judgment from it. And it's like, Oh, this is necessary work. And if we zoom out and look at more of a soul perspective, it's like that work wants to be done in this lifetime and whether it's this relationship the next a business whatever it may be you will seek out things that trigger these parts in you to do this work and that's why i was saying before about the anxious and avoidant triggering each other it's like what a gift the shadow phase what a gift if we let it be if we can create the container to create the safety to do the healing that needs to be done to integrate our shadow, to integrate all of these things so that we can move forward as a more integrated, embodied human. Yeah. So that phase is, yeah, it's so important. Done well, life-changing, done poorly. You're probably going to have to repeat it. And I guarantee people going to be listening to this to relate. That like, If you've seen a pattern in the partners you've attracted or the situations you've ended up in, it's like, that's a clue. That's, that's a clue that, okay, maybe there's something I'm missing here. And so when that shows up, but trying to navigate, like it's fair enough that people wig out when they get there, because like we said at the beginning, there's no, we're not set up with the understanding, the tools, the frameworks to be able to navigate this. So that's the second phase. And then there's like a plateau phase. So that can either be And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you need to take a breather. Sometimes plateau is like, a plateau can be great. It's still just recognizing for what it is. Because if a plateau goes on for four years, maybe not so great, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, and is the plateau, if we've gone through the shadow phase, but we haven't actually worked on it, we've just, stuff's come up and we've just numbed it out. So we've numbed our way into a plateau phase. That's probably not the healthiest place to be. Mm -hmm. And you kind of know you're like, oh, there's stuff that needs looking at, but I don't want to look at it. Like that's probably not a healthy space to be, but you can be at a plateau phase where it's just that's the season that you're in. Again, taking away the judgment, reflecting and being like, hmm, what were we doing? How were we relating during that honeymoon phase, during that time where there was more sex, where there was more fun and just starting to bring that stuff back in? But yeah, looking at those three phases to just recognize and be like, cool, this is where we're at. Where do we want to be? This is where we're at. Where do we want to be? What's the gap and how do we close that gap? Oh, it's so good. It's so fantastic hearing about all of this stuff because it is just so relevant. And it made me think that the plateau can be a really wonderful place to take a breather. But then the plateau, like you said, if you've numbed your way out, I imagine I'm just taking a wild guess that a plateau that can make you feel 
yucky and that you're missing something is that you're sort of numbing out in that stage too, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're avoiding conversations, you're sort of losing yourself in the Netflix as opposed to having that eye contact and connection. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's a plateau where it's like, all right, let's breathe, let's chill. And then Mm -hmm. when we're feeling, like you say, safe to to go back in and um, not just shake things up, but maybe play some more, experience some more joy, seek out more connection or have tough conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a really wonderful way of of looking at it. And I hope that empowers everyone listening that it will not always be the honeymoon phase. It does not mean that you aren't meant to be together and there will be shadow phases and that doesn't mean that you aren't meant to be together. And then you will learn about um, if you have a look at um, this course, you'll see that there is work on where the line can be drawn between where you feel like you need to break up and where it's actually just being able to sit with the fact that, you know, you don't want to undress each other every, you know, even every day and Mm. that's okay and that there are other parts to it that you know, make a wonderful um, relationship. It also made me think that once, often once we get through that shadow phase where a lot of people can cut and run and I know that like in the past when that stuff happened, my immediate thing is like, do I need to get out? How can I get out? Um, mm. And that's something that I've really had to look at and, um, and work on and heal. Often when we get to the other side, there's just like this beautiful honeypot, right, of um, more trust, more connection mm-hmm. when we navigate it from, you know, using the tools that you guys teach as opposed to smushing down all the inner child wounds and the shadows and all of our needs and boundaries. But if we can work through that phase of, okay, what's coming up here and communicating that to each other, the other side is like, so much trust and like genuine connection and loyalty and depth that often the honeymoon phase doesn't hold. So if we're constantly wanting to stay in that first phase and we cut and run, which like, I mean, there's so many serial daters out there now, it's 2021. If we can hold our ground and get to the other side, which we all want to be loved and we all Mm. want that connection and we all have layers that show Um, different sides of us and some of that is I don't need love I don't need connection I'm a lone wolf I do what I want yeah at the heart of that right is we're all human beings and connection is our right and if we can get to that other side which is I imagine a lot of couples signing up are going we're in this maybe a shadow phase or a plateau phase or we're in the honeymoon phase and we're conscious enough to know that it's not always going to be like this how can we um you know, I guess, upskill ourselves to be ready for it when it comes. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it is, it can even activate a new honeymoon phase. Yes. That is a layer deeper. Yeah. And then it's like, there's an, then there's another layer deeper mm-hmm. and then there's another layer deeper. And then, whereas we can think it's like, it's just supposed to be a certain way forever. Oh, cool. We'll just do this thing and then we're good. <laughs> And it doesn't work like that. Nothing in the universe is static, is stagnant. Like stagnation makes us sick. You Mm -hmm. think of a river flowing. Once it stops flowing and it's stagnant, the water, not so great, right? If we're not growing and evolving, and again, it doesn't have to be this constant rapid rate growth, but if we're not growing and evolving, Mm -hmm. we will not feel very good. And relationships are no different. 
And a lot of the pain can come when we try to hold someone or something as it once was exactly rather than being with what it is. And me and Kat have gone through so many evolutions and it's, it's painful each time. You don't just do this work and, and learn these tools and be like, Oh, sweet. Like it's still like part of you has to die to go somewhere new. And it's, it's, it's incredible the amount of unconscious projections we actually have on our partner mm. for them to be a certain way, for us to be a certain way. This is what our relationship looks like. This is what it's always looked like. Yeah. Like there's all this unconscious stuff. And, and if you feel into it, you can be like, that's anchored in keeping things as they were, because guess what? Change can be scary. Yeah. If it's unfamiliar and we don't know where we're going, that can be scary. So subconsciously, if we're not aware of it, we try to keep things and people as they are or were. And so when we can surrender to the evolution of ourselves and of the relationship and then use these frameworks to sort of guide things in a healthy way, then, yeah, we're setting ourselves up to win way more often than we don't. Definitely. Oh, what a gold mine. This is just been an hour of being locked into this. I'm so excited that people get to listen to this. Before we um, finish off, Tal, can you let everyone know, I guess, an overview of Ignite and what they can sort of expect and also where they can find more information and find you guys on, on the socials? Yeah, cool. So, yeah, the Ignite Couples course, it's a 10-week program. So that has pre-recorded classes, weekly classes that are split between couples classes doing the work together and then individual classes doing the work, men's business and women's business. (laughs) (laughs) And so that provides a really unique and now having run, I think we've done that five or six intakes, Mm -hmm. like that is a really powerful aspect of the course. Um, having that together time and that separate time because it creates that in itself creates a a cool dynamic. Um, Can I add on to that too, Tal, just because I came in in a same-sex relationship? Yes, please. We, um, I contacted you and Kat at the start and said, you know, we're in a same-sex relationship and we can see it says male and female. And the way that you told us to approach it really worked for us in that masculine, feminine, looking at polarity. Mm. So it doesn't have to, you know, these are all just labels as well, right? That, you know, I identify as a female and my partner at the time did, but we found so much um, use actually looking at both the male and, and, you know, maybe everyone would find so much benefit looking at different videos. Um, because it wasn't, we weren't coming at it from a male and female perspective. We were looking at how to show up for each other mm. in, in our opposites, in our polarity, in our masculine and feminine, which we both had. So um, yeah. I just want anyone who's, and quite a few people who are in a same-sex relationship, listen to this. Mm-hmm. This course is 100%, obviously it's tailored to men and women, but 100% still very, very, very one. Like, I cannot stress enough going to show up for you um, in a same-sex relationship or however you identify. It's yeah. not, it's not about, um, it's not all about the genders. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because that's so important. And and we, we like to teach from our experience mm. and our experience is being, yeah, a cis man, cis woman in a heterosexual relationship. 
And so that's how we speak. But 90% of the stuff in the course is human stuff. Mm. If you're a human, <laughs> you're going to get stuff out of it. Um, and that polarity is, is a really important part of it as well. Like that masculine feminine, if you identify more with the masculine, you might get more benefit out of, um, here the calls with the, that we've called, you know, male calls. Um, but it's, it's, we've had quite a, we've had maybe nine or 10 same sex couples, um, come through the course and they've all said the same thing. Um, they just kind of pick how they want to approach it, um, and, and move through it and, and still get a lot out of it. Um, so yeah, that's the basic layout. So that goes over 10 weeks. Um, but then what you also get access to is live Q and A. So people always ask, is the course live? And it's so that the classes and the content isn't live. Um, but you get access to Q and A's with Kat and myself, um, live throughout. So they're fortnightly and you get that for months beyond the ending of the 10 weeks Mm -hmm. as well. So, um, and then there's a, a Facebook group that you jump in and connect with other couples as well. So that's, yeah, that's the basic overview of it. We've got an Instagram page set up specifically for the course. So that's ignite.couples course. Um, go and check that out. Uh, we're we're going to be running a free masterclass on, I was just chatting to Tess before, <laughs> haven't quite locked in the date. So that's either going to be on the 29th, maybe the 30th of March. Um, and this next intake, we only open the intake a couple of times or we might do three this year um, throughout the year. And so this intake opens on the 29th of March um, and will be open for a couple of weeks. So yeah, if you're keen to learn more, um, go and check out the Instagram and feel free to just send us a message if you've got any questions or anything. Yeah, you can also go and get around their reels. <laughs> yeah. I've made some very funny reels that have like really connected with a lot of people over the past week. So you can go and check them out too. And not only that, there's so much fantastic content in there that sort of gives you an intro into what you'll be looking at. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tal. I can't thank you enough. And I hope I've really conveyed to you guys, and I think I have with how many times I heard myself say 100% so many times in terms of how much this course shows up for the people who are a part of it. So I just want to thank you for coming on and also sharing your wisdom about relationships today too, because it's something that we really all all seek out Mm, my pleasure and thank you for yeah diving in and doing the work and then um yeah and then sharing that with with everybody that you do with this platform um like i said like that's that's the beauty of it you know everybody can become their version of roger bannister in how they hold themselves and and start setting a precedent for what is the new normal? Like imagine if our kids grow up and the new normal was connected, loving relationships. Like that's, that's the vision. And it only, um, we, we can only do so much. So yeah, people like yourself and everybody else doing the work. It's like, it's a team sport, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. so a nice way to think of it is, you know, doing this course and then taking on the view that let's see how good it can be. Like, mm. let's see how good this can get because mm. the, we all want love and we all want connection. And that's, that's the point. It's not to beat yourself up and, and judge yourself. It's looking at how good can it get? Mm, Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Awesome, Tal. Thank you so much. Go enjoy the rest of your day and say hey to Cat and Baby Rafi. Yeah, well, I can hear him out there. I think he needs a walk with <laughs> a walk with Dad. So I'll go rescue Cat now. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Thanks for having me on, Tess. Thanks, Tal. See you.